evening. Welcome to Altamont Holiness Church. I'm so glad you guys came out tonight. Um, I'm just here for announcements. Um, the lock-in, if you guys are planning on coming out, is at the Parsons Rec Center. Now, on Google Maps, it says it's like the Arvon Phillips Community Center, but it's on the northeast side of Forest Park in Parsons, if you guys like to come and check it out. Okay. Um, the lock-in will go till 5 a.m. tonight, so make arrangements for rides and stuff. We'll be there if you're waiting on somebody, but uh, make arrangements for that. We're excited about tonight, about to have fun. We're more excited about what God's going to do in this service. Amen? That's the main reason we're here, is to worship the Lord. So let's all stand, invite God's presence into the service. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all that you've done for us. We thank you tonight for blessing us with the opportunity we have to come before you tonight. We thank you for the young people that are here. We're thankful that we can have a good time, that it's all free, that God, you've provided our needs, you've provided everything that we can ask for. And Lord, just please settle down on us tonight. Just please settle in, help us to worship you. And uh, with all that doing said, in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Rocky's coming to lead us in the singing. Grab yourself a hymnal. Let's worship the Lord together. Grab a hymnal and turn to page number 352. 352.
Turn back to page number 315, 315. <coughs> <coughs> Glad he abides tonight. Amen. Thankful that he goes with us everywhere. We don't have to worry about him leaving us behind or, or going somewhere that he isn't, but thankful he's with us everywhere. Amen. Well, at this time, I'm going to ask our general superintendent, uh, Brother Schaefer, to come. He's going to speak to us for a little bit, and then I'm going to ask him if he'd just go ahead and lead us in prayer after he's done sharing uh, what's on his heart. Brother Schaefer.
Well, thank you for the invitation to, to come here tonight and to have something to say. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to welcome the brewers among us again as well. And we're glad that they're here. And we are praying for you to have a great revival right here in these few days. But I know if that's going to happen, that everybody's going to have to pull a little bit of the load and to lift the load. But God can send revival even in this day that we live. And so I'm glad for that, and I'm glad that, that your church is having revival and that you're presenting yourself as candidates for revival. And I, I, I want to do that as well, and I am doing that as well. I realize tonight that there are <clears throat> several young people that are here for the activities through the rest of the night, and it always amazes me that uh, if church goes two hours, well, everybody thinks it went a long time, and then, and then, how long is this supposed to be tonight? Till five o'clock in the morning, or something like that? It's gonna be a long time. Well, <laughs> some of us are just too old for that, and I'll confess that up front, but. There's some things that I've stayed up till 5 o'clock in the morning for. I just don't like to do it very often. Um, I just want to encourage you young people to seek the Lord and to seek what he has for you to do and to understand that you can be a Christian in today's world. The world at large would like to make it sound like that Nobody can be that way, or nobody can live pleasing to the Lord, and maybe that's just for the old people or just for long ago, but I want to tell you that it can happen for you in today's world. Um, back in Bible times, we read the story of, of the Apostle Paul as he was on the road to Damascus, and and he got struck down, and, and a wonderful conversion experience that we read about and we hear about, and, and what a dramatic change in his life. And I realize that, that even today there are a lot of people that, that wish for a, a, such a conversion experience that, that the Lord would strike them down, and all I have to say is that the Lord can do that if you really want him to but he has other ways that he can do it as well. So when I read about the other disciples that he called, it sounds like that you know he saw them and he saw that they had a, a need and, and he knew who they were, he knew what they had to offer and he just said, follow me and the scripture says they did. And so whether you have a, a dramatic experience like the Apostle Paul had or whether you have an experience like some of the other disciples had, I think that the important thing is that you understand who it is that's calling and that you understand that even though there may be some things that you, that you don't do like the rest of the world does, but yet that's the right way because you're following Christ. And so that's what we talk about being a Christian, being Christ-like. And so I just want to challenge it to be Christ-like in your life and in your endeavors. Um, Chapter 3 of, of Colossians starts off with, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And that kind of sets a pattern for us. If we set our affections up there, then it changes the way that we look at things down here. And sometimes the things that, that would look to be, uh, oh, so sad and such a, such a sad situation that if we can look at it in, in terms of eternity or the way that God might look at it, we might say, well, that was really a blessing. And so don't be afraid to do that. Uh, I'm going to bring up something that might be a little controversial now, but have any of you ever heard the name Kanye West? I don't know anything about him really, except that I was reading something about him the other day, and evidently he must have had some kind of a conversion. I don't know whether it, whether, I don't, I don't know anything about it, except that evidently there's people that are giving him a hard time over it, and, and um, somebody asked him the other day, I was reading, they said, so now are you going to be a Christian artist? And his answer was, I'm a Christian everything. And I thought that was kind of outstanding. He can be a Christian everything. And that's what we're really called to be. You know, when I was growing up, I used to hear about Christian motorcycle gangs or Christian uh, singers or whatever. And, and these people get into, I don't know if to say into uniform, but at least they get into their, their character and they, they perform that part of their character. But, but when it's over, then they go back to being just who they were. And the devil has a good a good knack for that. He can get people to dress up and act any old way they, that, he, that they want to, but yet underneath, they're still his. And I just want you to know that tonight there's a place in God's kingdom for every one of us. And if we allow him to be Christ in our life, and if we follow him, it doesn't mean that we're going to do everything perfectly. You might not do everything to satisfy me even. But I'm telling you that if your heart is set to follow him, that you can be Christ-like. may not happen the first day of your experience, but that's why God gives us time to live so that we can become like him. Because if we're going to spend eternity with him, we're going to have to be like him. We can't, we can't go to, to heaven if we're not like him. And so he's given us an opportunity to be like him and... I want you to know you can be like him in this present world. And even if it means that you're a little bit different or whatever, well, that's not such a bad thing. When you look across the world, there are a lot of people that are different to the point of being weird, and they don't even think anything about it. And so I'm glad to be a Christian tonight, and I'm glad that Christ is still calling you, all of you, to follow him and if we follow him, I believe that he will be pleased with our living. And I want to lift up his name by all that I do. And I wish you have a good time tonight, but in your endeavors tonight and at the lock-in that you don't forget Christ and that you be a, a good soldier for him right there. Show a good attitude about it and show a, a good fellowship and, and let your mind run on things of God.
and you won't be sorry. Thank you. All right, we're going to have prayer. Shall we stand for prayer? And let's pray together, if you'd pray along with us. Let's do remember the service tonight and the preaching of the word, especially the young people as they go in to this activity as well. Dear Lord, tonight we come into your presence again with grateful hearts. We thank you for all that you've done and for what you mean to us, Lord. And Tonight we just invite you to come and deal with our hearts and show us how you want us to be. And Lord, to call after our hearts to follow you in a closer way. And oh, Father, to point out to us the ways that we need to, to improve or the areas where we can improve, Lord, and that you might just help us to, to be pleasing to you, we pray. Father, we ask that you'd be, be near to the brewers as they're here to, to minister among us, Lord, in this revival effort. And we ask that you'd give of your anointing and of your help, Lord. And as the word would go out tonight, that it would be just exactly what would be pleasing to you and that it would touch the hearts of our people, Lord. And, oh, Father, that we might see your hand at work again and again. Oh, Lord, we ask that you'd be with the young people as they go after the service tonight for their activity that somehow that their hearts might be so fixed upon you, Lord, that, oh, God, that it would be as though you are in the midst with them, and indeed you are, and that you will be there to deal with hearts and to show them uh, just what you want to, them to know about you, Lord, and that you just lead them on tonight and help that in their activities, Lord, that they would be able to minister to others that perhaps need to hear the word of God. And Father, bless this church and this effort, Lord, in the revival through the rest of this week, Lord, and into next week, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up a special offering tonight on behalf of the young people and the youth activities, the lock-in and stuff. So uh, we're going to do that at this time. So if our ushers would please come forward. We're going to sing page number 348 in the hymnal, 348. <clears throat> I'm going to ask Alex if he'd pray for the offering.
Thank you so much for your giving. Your giving makes it possible for us to have our lock-in free of charge. Uh, they don't have to pay for their food, not to get in, not, none of that. And uh, we're thankful that we can do that as a church and so thankful that uh, for your support and trusting that the Lord's going to use tonight for uh, his eternal purposes. Thank you, Brother Shaper, for uh, sharing with us uh, what the Lord laid on your heart and appreciate that. So very much. Thankful for Brother Shaper's leadership of our denomination, trusting that he's, uh, that the Lord will give him many, many years. And of course, I don't know if Brother Shaper wants that or not, but anyhow, um, trusting the Lord will continue to help and help us to move forward, upward and onward. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to give Brother Brewer as much time as possible. I believe Alex and Lorinda have this special song tonight. Let's open our hearts and receive the ministry of music. While they're coming, I want to uh, um, let you know that um, we are planning on Sunday afternoon to have a, a carry-in dinner, and we'd like for you to come and for home folk. I think we're going to be missing a few of our home folk, so if you'd throw an extra potato in the pot, that might, that might be helpful uh, we're, since we're missing a few. But um, we're trusting that the Lord's going to help us in this revival, and our, our revival expense offering will be Tuesday night, so I wanted to make sure you're aware of that. All right, Brother Alex and Sister Lorinda. The world is full of those who see just fame and fortune we're often told the things of earth they matter most but a day awaits us all when god the father will set the value straight at last He'll only 
Thank you, Brother Alex and Sister Lorenda. Fantastic job, beautiful message, and uh, something we need to be reminded of from time to time. If you see Mr. Alex or Sister Lorenda around, you be sure to thank them for all that they do. The lock-in is not possible without them. They take uh, the heaviest part of the load, and uh, we appreciate all that they are doing, and so let them know how much you appreciate uh, the load that they carry. This time we want to turn the service over to Brother Brewer. It's so good to have Brother and Sister Brewer here. They have, they have been uh, heroes to me, mentors, been my pastor when I was younger, quite a bit younger, unfortunately. Um, but uh, thankful so much for the influence that the Brewers have had in my life, and it is a great pleasure to uh, bring the Brewers here so that they might be able to have a positive influence on each one of us, young and old alike. Brother Brewer, come, mind the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Morford, and a real delight to be here as well. Amen. Appreciate uh, the privilege of being in this part of the country. I honestly, uh, to be honest with you, I feel, feel right at home already uh, for several reasons. Uh, <clears throat> One of them is my mother was born in Oakley, Kansas, and that's uh, on western Kansas. Rode by it uh, earlier today and uh, called my mother on the cell phone, and she wasn't home, so I didn't get to talk to her but I, uh, right at the spot, but I was going to tell her I'm driving right by the exit for Oakley, Kansas. <laughs> but, uh, anyhow, I told her later on. And uh, then 20 minutes, 15 mile, no more than, no more than that, <clears throat> or not much more than that, <clears throat> from where I was born and raised in, in Illinois was uh, a town called Altamont, Illinois. <clears throat> it's right on 70. <clears throat> Some of you have probably seen that. Well, I was born and raised out in the country on a farm about 15 miles from the Altamont exit. And uh, some things, I, I went to Sunday school uh, with a family that, that came from that town and, and um, had been to that town <clears throat> often in my life, worked, worked on a sawmill out in the country from that town as well, so, uh, <clears throat> so I feel right home. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> good to be with you all. The third reason why I feel at home is to be with you and... Uh, <clears throat> Looking forward to getting better acquainted with all of you. Some of you I've seen around and long, and uh, it's so good to see you all again. And uh, others that we've not met yet, <clears throat> uh, we're certainly looking forward to deepening our relationship with you. And uh, like I said, it's always good to be with the Morfords, see their family growing up, 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 and up, and uncontrollably just growing up. <laughs> no, they're well, that uh, we can't control the fact that they grow up. <clears throat> Appreciate his family, the good job that he's doing <clears throat> with his with his children, his family. Amen. 
Thank the Lord. Well, if you will, uh, turn to the Old Testament passage of Scripture of Psalm 15. Psalm 15. And... Um, I, uh, I know that, that the activity of the evening is, is uh, the, uh, a lot on our minds tonight, <clears throat> and uh, my wife and I, we're going to enjoy the lock-in too, we're going to go right over there and we're going to lock ourselves in for the night. <laughs> <laughs> So don't bother us because we're going to be locked in over there. <laughs> but, uh, anyhow, Psalm 15, I, I took seriously the concept, the need of the occasion tonight, knowing that it was youth and young people, and, and uh, I, I love our holiness young people. I just want you to know right up front, uh, Brother... Morford, and if I slip and call him Jeremy, please excuse me, okay? And he, 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 he's Jeremy to me. But uh, at anyhow, uh, he'll, go to, he'll recognize this fact. As in, in church work, uh, I've always gone to bat for holiness young people. And uh, I, I get off, pulled off to the side every once in a while, some old codger, and uh, try to tell me about all, all the bad things young people are doing. And I'm telling you what, I turned my hearing aids off right quick. Because <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <clears throat> I love our holiness young people. <clears throat> and uh, I appreciate, appreciate our young people and uh, those that come to our holiness churches across America. And we're glad that you're here tonight. And I'm glad I'm here with you tonight. Been seeking the Lord as to what he would want me to say to young people. <clears throat> I was uh, a camp evangelist this summer <clears throat> at a certain place, and uh, <clears throat> we arrived, and a uh, good group of young people. One night, I think I counted around 35 young people, and my, we had a good time with those young people uh, <clears throat> during that camp meeting, <clears throat> and uh, so the, my co-worker, my, uh, the other evangelist that, that, that we were working with was, was much my elder. And so the camp president said to us, said, well, uh, he's the oldest one of you two, so he's going to have the morning Bible study. And, he, and you, Brother Brewer, are the younger of the two, and you're going to be my youth evangelist. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, <clears throat> and so he preached every morning in, in his Bible study, and I preached every afternoon to the young people. <laughs> I had a ball, just love and then at nighttime, we turned roundabout, so uh, I, I don't know if I qualify for being the younger here tonight, but, uh, but here we are for a special youth service, and God has given me a message for you. Now, I know that um, uh, all sorts of temptations of which directions to go for youth services, but... Uh, as I was praying, getting serious about what line the Lord wanted me to talk about, God give me some clear direction for tonight. And I, I know God knows how to match messages with audiences. That's not my job, but that's God's job. And I just trust that it will match your need tonight. Psalm, did I say 15? 
Good. That's one of my weaknesses. I'll tell people which book to go to, and I'll go talking, and I'll never tell them what reference. But uh, Psalm 15, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. We're following the last phrase of that text tonight for our reading. Who abides in the tabernacle and who dwells in the holy hill? Three things. The last one is he that speaketh the truth in his heart. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 has a very similar thought. And in that passage of Scripture, it takes it for granted, it tells us, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Our loving Lord, we want to thank you for this wonderful occasion. Thank you for this very beginning service, this this special youth lock-in night. And now, Lord, we thank you for this good group of young people that are here. We pray that thou will help us, Lord Jesus, undertake in our message tonight. You've spoken to us. You've directed us. Now, Lord, it's the time where the Word of God is going to be the centerfold of this service. And so, Lord, we pray the Holy Ghost will anoint us with unction from on high to preach once again to the heart and to the mind. And, dear Lord, to do so with such a, 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 a strength that, Lord, it might enlighten, that it might awaken, that it might encourage, that it might help. We'll thank you for what you accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a book in my library amidst all of the uh, theological uh, treatises that I have in my library, but I I have a favorite one. And uh, here some time ago I pulled it out and I read it. And as I was reading, and I was in deep concentration and meditation, uh, I, uh, I, I read this chapter. And it, it told about, uh, about uh, this, um, uh, uh, this train. And uh, uh, it was all lined up, and it was ready to go out on its, on its haul. And so this train uh, got its clearances through its lights and everything, and it started making its way out, uh, pulling its big, long, heavy load, and it, it was really heavy. There was lots of cars, and they were full. And, uh, and he was just, uh, uh, just uh, moving along quite well, this train was, as it was going across the country. And uh, got past, uh, you know, all these Midwestern states and, and so forth, and, and then, uh, then headed toward uh, the high country. And it looked up above, out beyond there in the tracks, and it saw this gigantic hill. This whole, oh, this great big, it was a mountain, really. 
And as it approached, it saw how, how huge it was. I mean, its height just loomed out there. And uh, the first thing that that little train said to itself was, and you tell me, you've been reading the same book. You read the same chapter. Wouldn't you like to know, <laughs> wouldn't you like to know some of the other books I have in my library? <laughs> that little train said, I think I can. I think I can. And he kind of said it in the chugging along, you know, and sort of in a, in a rhythmic way and, and, uh, and uh, assures the world that the, the locomotive or the engine of that train began to feel its very first incline as it, made, it was making its first little approach to that mountain that it was going to have to make its way over. And there again, he said, I think I can, I think I can. And then as he began to pull up that mountain, the load and the weight of all those cars behind him, he began to feel larger puffs of smoke uh, and the revved engine uh, with the governors and so on and so forth and, and uh, required in order to, to, to take the increased labor. And, and he kept right on as the wheels clanged along. I think I can. You've read the story. Finally, after he made it over the top of that, uh, that little in, that, uh, mountain uh, and the nose of that engine began to make it down over the other side, he had a different song. <clears throat> that time he said, I knew I could. I knew I could. I knew he could. And he knew he could all the way down as the weight of that train finally got on the other side of the mountain. They got down and so now the weight of the train was just pushing him along. I knew I could. I find, for whatever reason, some of the most deepest and most interesting spiritual truths in the old mother nursery rhymes. For tonight, I want to talk to you about <clears throat> what you're talking to yourself about. I want to talk about self-talk. I want to talk about what you're telling yourself. I find <clears throat> that... What we say to ourselves has powerful influence. I heard about the fellow <clears throat> that went to the barber shop. And of course, at the barber shop, that's where the liars club is, and that's where all the fish stories are told. And so <clears throat> there they were, there, and they were talking, and one guy on the chair began to pipe up and tell his fishing story. And I mean, it was big and long, and I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and, uh, and people said, you must have really went fishing. That was really gotten out of hand. <clears throat> no, 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 he said, it's the truth. I, I, you know, as they saw, you know, honest to God, I swear, you know. <clears throat> so when he got done telling his story, the barber said, you know, I was fishing the other day. And he said, uh, <clears throat> I uh, was fishing. He said, I was fishing along, I was getting... A bite or two, but nothing really happened. And he said, I was getting discouraged. And he said, I, I just about decided I was just going to reel her in and, and, and go home. And he said, about that time, he said, something hit my line. And he said, I mean, it started to pull it. And he said, I just let it go. And finally, I started to pull it back in and reel it back in. And he said, I finally got that thing in. Oh, he said, I pulled that thing up. I got that up there on the sh 
there on the bank, and he said, I mean, here we are. He said, I, time got away from me. He says, it was almost midnight, and it was, it was dark. And he said, you should have seen this fish. He said, this fish had lights on it. He said, down the top edge where his fins are, there was a row of lights there. And where those fins were on its center side, flip it, he said, there was a couple of big old lights shining out of there. He said there, right above its eyes, he said those big old eyes, and he's right above that was two real bright lights. And that guy in the chair said, ah, I ain't going to believe that. That's a fish story. I don't believe it had lights. And the barber said, I'll tell you what, I'll take the lights off of my story and off of my fish if you'll take the pounds and the inches off of yours. Now, when someone would tell us something that we know to be untrue, we can say we caught him in a lie. Caught him in a lie. We'll say, oh, watch out for what? Because they might tell you a lie. And, we, and, and if it's something that we know to be untrue, well, so look, I'm not going to believe that. But the problem and the, the importance of self-talk is, is we always believe what we say to ourselves. We always believe what we say to ourselves. Now, if I were to have an application tonight, and I want you to be thinking about it, Throughout the length of this message. That if I were to have an application tonight for this message. It would be something like this. One of the applications. Catch yourself in a lie. Because dear friends. We've got to be careful. What we say to ourselves. What we say to ourselves. Is basically the. Combined deductions of our perspective about things. The combined mental, faulty sometimes deductions about things in our life. And if we will, if we make the wrong conclusions, or if we make the wrong deductions about that, uh, those events in our life, and then we, we tell that again over and over and over again, we're led in, by deceit. The power, the, the seriousness of being led by a deceit will be a verse that I refer to later, but the Bible talks about believing a lie and then being damned. I find that as I travel up and down the country trying to help people get to God or help to help people live a Christian life, I find that some people are having real spiritual battles and a lot of times young people are also having real spiritual battles because they're telling themselves the wrong message. And they have a tendency to believe what they say to themselves. 
because they have made faulty, erroneous conclusions or deductions or, or ideas about their perspective in life. The sad thing is, if we have the wrong self-talk, it is destructive. If we tell ourselves the wrong messages, it's destructive. The beautiful thing on the other side is, is if we tell ourselves the right thing and the right message, it gives us a sense of security, it gives us a sense of confidence, and it helps us with our success. Just like the little train. I mean, scores of living rooms have that little story uh, somewhere stuck in, a, uh, in a, uh, a magazine rack or something, especially if there's children and young people in that household. And it's read over and over again to help little kids go to sleep and little children go to sleep. But oh, my friends, that is a powerful lesson on how positive and how, how telling yourself the right thing will produce so much better things in your life. Because if we would have read the story and it had been saying, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can. If it, the little train would have said, I don't think I can, and I don't think I can, I don't think I can. And if that's the only things that it would tell itself, we'd have not had the last half of the story. Instead of saying, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I couldn't, we, the, la the last part of the story would have been, see, I knew I couldn't. See, I knew I couldn't. There's a lot of people are in that spiral tonight. Some people grow clear out of youth and adolescence and are still thinking that way in middle age. See, I knew I couldn't. <clears throat> this matter of self-talk is so important. And, and, and the Bible in the text this evening asks the question, who shall abide in the tabernacle, or who dwelleth in the holy hill? In other words, this is where God is. The tabernacle it re has reference to spirituality. It has reference to uh, the godly, and uh, dwelling in, in the holy hill has reference to being close to the, to the presence of God. And he says, if you're going to be spiritual, if you're going to be godly, if you're going to be like Christ, then you've got to walk uprightly, work righteousness, and then speak the truth in your heart. You've got to tell yourself the truth. That's key to spiritual life. It's key to spiritual growth. It's key to spiritual success. It's key to overcoming the challenges of life. <clears throat> Speaking the truth in your heart. Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians picked up the same concept. He was talking about speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, making a, a, a melody unto the Lord. The reason why he was talking about songs and hymns and spiritual songs, he was talking about 
No doubt a lot of even the, the, the verses that are in the book of Psalms. That, the book of Psalms was the, the hymn book of the New Testament. The reason that Paul was saying, speak to yourself in these songs and hymns and spiritual songs is because they contained the truth. And he wanted them to religiously or consistently or regularly or habitually tell themselves the truth out of God's word. So tonight... We have some negative self-talks that I want to just quickly outline. Of course, there is the presumptive self-talk. The presumptive uh, self-talk would be more along the line of proudful or, or overconfident or, or um, uh, in a sense of, of arrogancy. It comes to us out of the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 17. The last part of chapter 3 talks about the time that Jesus stopped by uh, the church of the Laodiceans, the last of the seven. I don't know, perhaps, and I'll say it rhetorically here, I know perhaps maybe slipped in on a Wednesday night prayer meeting at the first church of the Laodiceans. And there, while they were in the midst of the worship, some fellow stood up. And he said, I am rich, and I have need of nothing. And he sat down. And before the verse is finished, Jesus said, yep, but you don't realize it. You were miserable and poor. And blind and naked and wretched. What, what a contrast between reality and what he was saying to himself. What he was saying to himself. Even, even the rich man, he said, I'm going to tear down barns. I'm going to build bigger. That's what he was saying to himself. But God said, this night, thy soul is going to be required of thee. It had been a lot better on him for him to have been telling himself the truth. And asking himself this, are you ready? Are you ready for this night? What we say to ourselves is very important. Don't make the mistake of being presumptive or proudful or overconfident or independent. That's... That's, uh, that's one we've got to be careful of. But that's not the only way we can tell ourselves the things that are not the truth. The one that really bothers me a lot, and I 
work with it and, and so, so, um, so acquainted with it in dealing with lots of people. And we're finding out today the originations of it, I suppose. It comes to us this way. I'll just label it first. It's called the accusative conversation. Now, we know the Bible tells us the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he is. But when we are self-accusative, it only accelerates and multiplies the effect upon ourselves. We're living in a climate today, sad to say, in America and around the world, where society is trying to raise children without love. Society is trying to raise its offspring without healthy Biblical family nurture and relationship. And children are raised in such a deceitful, a dysfunctional situation. Young children have to make decisions they should never ever have to make in all of their life. And yet sometimes they have to make that decision at a very young age. Some or many are passed on to circumstances and situations that are out of their control and not good ones. They become the blunt end and the blunt edge, the blunt recipient of handling and Communication and language and abuse playing right out. It should never happen to anything that's alive, let alone children. I mean, it used to be, my friends, years ago. It used to be years ago. I mean, when people got old-time religion... They quit cussing and swearing at the animals. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, I was born and raised on a farm in southern Illinois. My dad farmed probably three, four hundred acres of grain. Had sheep for a while. Had hogs for a while. Had cattle while I was growing up. I had a dairy uh, allergic reaction as a, as a young, youngster and... And so, but I wasn't allergic to, to, to goat's milk. And so we come up with an old nanny goat for me. And I took care of that old nanny goat, milked her. That's what I used for my milk as I was growing up and going through grade school and high school. That old nanny's goat was named Noodle. That's why, I don't know why I named her that. I have no clue why. And uh, I'd go and milk old Noodle. 
I'd have this nice bulk container and I would milk that old nanny goat. I'd just about get her completely done. And a multitude of times, she'd raise up that hind leg just about the time I had that thing completely full and done. She'd maybe kind of kick it a little bit or raise up that hind leg. She wasn't mean or anything like that, but she'd raise it up. And in the process of raising it up, she would kick in some straw or some mud or, or some dirt and filth that had been hanging on the, her hind hoof. And that dirty stuff would fall right on and into that beautiful white bowl of milk. And it would make me angry. And I would make, I would get so mad. This is before I was saved. I was so mad. And I would lose my whole bowl of milk. Because that dirty filth, and you can imagine what all it could have been, would sink to the bottom and I'd have to spill it all out. And she had her side to me. That's how I was sitting. And I get so mad, I'd take this fist and I'd just give her a sock and right in her gut. One, more than one time, I'd sock her so bad, she'd fall over on her side. That was back a long time the statute of limitations are already over. Uh, they didn't even have rules against it back then, the laws of the land. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, no nanny goat or no dog should ever be handled like that. When the Lord began to talk to me. In the spring of 1974, went to a holiness rally on a Sunday afternoon. And God began to level in with me with what we call old-fashioned conviction. I began to be miserable and irritable. I, I, I was uneasy. I, I, I was I, and being convicted with my, with my sinful living and my, all the other things that I was doing that was wrong. And I lived in old-fashioned conviction the rest of March and all of April and all of May and all of June. And the first part of July. And that little holiness church, not far from Altamont, Illinois, that little holiness church, it was a pilgrim holiness church, had a revival meeting the first part of July when everybody else was going off to camp meeting. I'd like to I'd like to have been a little I'd like to have been a little bird in that board meeting when they decided to have a revival meeting in the month of July. All I know is, is eight miles from that little pilgrim homeless church was a boy that had been living under old-fashioned conviction for several weeks, for, for, for a couple of few months, and I needed to be saved so desperately bad, badly. And so they had that revival meeting. It was on a Tuesday night. And I went to that revival meeting, and I went to the altar, I knelt just off dead center, just right, right in here, right in this spot here, just off dead center. And God saved me that night and changed my life forever. It was at night. Old noodle had already been milked. 
The next day rolled around. It was in the afternoon, and toward evening time, it was time for me to milk old noodle, and I went to get old noodle. I brought her out here to the place where we always milked, and I took these very hands that had socked her in the side, and I cradled her hands right in my hand, her, her neck and her chin right in my hands, and I just looked at her right eyeball, eyeball. And I said, oh, Noodle, I said, I want you to know something. I said, I got saved last night. You and I have had our tangles and we've had our fights. And I've given you a rough time and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Noodle, that I've hit you like that. I love you, old Noodle, and we're going at it again. And I got down over there beside her, and you know what I found out? I found out she didn't get saved. <laughs> she didn't change her behavior one bit. And did she knock dirt in my milk after that? Yes, she did. But never again did I ever give her that abusive treatment. I tell you all of that to tell you this tonight. They used to apologize when they got old-time religion for the mistreatment of animals. What I'm getting at tonight is this, is the mistreatment that people and children have gone through that should never happen. They've been backhanded and they've been beaten and they've been bruised and they've been hollered at. And the only sense they've not received real discipline really, all they've been handled is out of anger and madness and carnal fits. Really not disciplined. Just mistreated because mom's mad or dad's mad. And then all the things that they have heard said to them that they really weren't wanted after all. They didn't wish, they wished they'd have never had them and they were dumb or they were stupid or, or, or didn't they, we, we weren't going to have any more kids but you come on, you were a mistake. You hear what I'm saying tonight? You take a small child Raised in that kind of environment and can't get away from it and can't escape from it. There's going to come a time, my friend, when their mind is going to conclude and deduct some things about their life. And they're going to tell themselves the same things they've been hearing. I was a mistake. I wasn't planned on. I'm always a problem. I'm always in the way. You hear what I'm getting at tonight? And people begin to accuse themselves. And I know of some individuals, my friends, that have been accusing themselves all their life. Putting themselves down all the time. Something mean or bad happened to them. Something horrible happened to them that they didn't have anything to do with. And then they'll blame themselves. 
blame themselves. Blame themselves. Sometimes individuals, out of that desperation, out of that horrible, horrible, horrible kind of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of, of a situation, will seek God and pray and find some peace with God and, 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 and God will help them. But this has been so programmed in their thinking that whenever they stand up maybe to testify and they say what God has done for them and they sit down and then the devil says, you made a fool of yourself. And that old pattern of negative self-talk comes back in. Yeah. Yeah, I cried while I testified. Oh, that was so embarrassing. And, you know, and, and we start talking against ourselves. I'm telling you, my friends, this self-talk has a lot to do with how we are victoriously spiritual. We begin to accept the accusations that the devil puts upon us. You're doing your best. You're trying to do your best. You have good intentions. You're saved and God's helping you. And you make a mistake. Or it don't come out just like you'd like for it to happen. It didn't turn out like you wanted it to. You did your best, but it somehow was a flop and a failure. And then the devil will say, you couldn't be a Christian. And we begin to accuse ourselves. A lot of people, my friend, have not backslid over the thing that they did. But they backslid because they lost faith. In self-accusation. I know there's a theological technicality there. But it's so, so vital to understand. If we, did, if we meant to do what's right. And we tried to do what was right. And it was completely unintentional. And our idea was to do right. And my friends, we did not sin. We did not sin. Therefore, we did not backslide. But if you will take that and accuse yourself of being a sinner, then you will lose faith. Then you will lose your salvation because you pulled your faith. A lot of people, my friends, are having spiritual troubles because they are believing the lies that they're telling themselves. Self-talk. No one loves me. No one cares. I'm in the way. I'm no good. God never wants you to believe those kind of lies. If you're telling yourself those kind of lies, catch yourself in a lie, please. Say, that's... That's a fish story. Catch yourself in a lie. And then start speaking the truth. 
Tell the truth to yourself. Tell your true self the truth. Um, the, very similar to that would be the last one that I'm going to talk about as far as the negative self-talk, and that is the negative self-talk of doubt, and I've already brought that out. The negative self-talk of doubt. And oh my, how many times, especially in around the period of, of trying to get sanctified holy, a lot of people will do a lot of consecrating and yielding to the Lord and come right up to the point where all they would need to do is just trust God. And then they'll doubt instead of trust. Well, yeah, I believe it can do it for the preacher. I believe it can do it for the evangelist. Sure, I believe he's done it for so-and-so and so. Well, can you trust him to, have, to sanctify you now? And then they doubt. And have all sorts of things that they tell themselves that are doubtful. I tell you, dear friends, the Bible talks and calls it an evil heart of unbelief. It's the things we say to ourselves that are delusive, that are, that are destructive. Now, I want to talk a little bit as we get over the hill. Get over the hill. Get over this mountain. And the little train said, I knew I could. I knew I could. And he told himself the right thing. And he made it. And now he's on the other side. And now he's saying... I, I knew I could. I think I can. And no, I can't. No, no, I could. There's three things that I want us to notice, and the Bible shows that there are positive effects when we think and tell ourselves the right thing. The first is Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Oh my, if you read devotionals much. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. It's a simple, simple little idea tonight. I think it's something that all, we all can grasp if we will tell ourselves the truth about God the emotional result is going to be peaceful. Thou will have, give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If you and I will tell ourselves the truth about God, we're going to have an undergirding, we're going to have a foundation, we're going to have the repercussion of a perfect peace. You see, with God, all things are possible. With, with God, all things are possible. And so we keep our minds stayed on the Lord and believe in Him. We're going to have an emotional peace. Instead of the destruction or delusion, instead of, 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 of negative, uh, instead of that, we can have a positive thought because God is good and He does love us. He's going to see us through and we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. There's going to be a peace about it. 
I mean, really, honestly, my friends, so many people are running off to the psychologist when really, I mean, God's the one who has the solution. Because he has built this whole system of salvation and grace in order to give you and I the best emotional health. Really the truth. And for tonight, we're talking about peace. The reason why there's so much crime going on in the world tonight is because inside of individuals, it's a boiling cauldron of hostility and hatred and, and no peace. But thank God we can't have peace if we keep our minds stayed on the Lord. Secondly, <clears throat> spiritual self-talk gives us not only peace, but, but also gives us a, a sense of, of, uh, of, of, of security. We, we saw that, of course, uh, in, the, in, the, in our text about knowing where we're going. Who, who goes to heaven? Who, go, who dwells in the holy hill? Who's going to be able to... He that speaketh in himself the truth. There's a sense of security there. Truth is the foundation of life. And so whenever we think about truth and feed ourselves the truth, and I already said in the book of Ephesians, he says, sing unto yourselves. The reason why is because he was wanting to get them to sing the truth to themselves. Truth brings security. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Christ is the truth. He wants us to build our house and our life on His foundation. There's a sense of security there. The final verse that I want us to look at relative to this spiritual self-talk and good self-talk is found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. What does it say there? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We're talking about positive self-talk. Things that are true. Things that are honest. Talk to yourself about the things that are just. Listen, friends. Listen. We have to guard our minds, don't we? We have to keep faulty messages out of our mind and out of our head. The things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, the things that are of a, of a good report. That gives you something to say. Something of a good report. If there's any virtue to it, 
That's what you should tell yourself. If there's any praise, think on these things. And by thinking on these kinds of things, by, by thinking about the truth, by telling yourself the truth, telling yourself these kinds of things, and telling yourself about God and His goodness, it will give you an emotional victory, a spiritual victory as well. It will help you become victorious, help you become successful spiritually. It'll help you overcome the spiral that leads oftentimes to despair and even discouragement. Worse yet, sometimes depression. So tonight, I want you to just think for a moment, young people. What kind of message you've been telling yourself? What kind of messages do you text to yourself? What are you telling yourself? What are you concluding and deducting about things in your life that are erroneous? Catch it. Catch it. Correct it. And start telling yourself the things that are honest and the things that are true, the things that are right. That's why reading your Bible and praying a little bit every day is important. That's the reason why coming to church is important. It's the reason why coming to revival is important. The reason why coming to youth activities and spending fellowship with other Christian young people, all of that goes together in telling ourselves the right thing and believing the right thing because we will believe what we tell ourselves. And so let's start telling ourselves the truth. Let's tell ourselves the things that are right. And we're going to have positive effects as a result of that. Amen. Let's stand together. Something you can start tonight and something you can walk in the light of and begin right tonight. Before you walk out of this building, the next thing you catch yourself telling yourself that's not just exactly right, change it. Correct it. Start telling yourself the thing that's true. You say, I don't know. I don't know what's true. Well, that's where reading the Bible that's where maybe talking with someone, asking them, confiding can be a healthy thing. They can give you the right. I remember one time someone was coming to me, so condemning themselves, so condemning themselves, so condemning themselves, thinking maybe they'd sinned actually when they hadn't probably And I took a risk. But this person had demonstrated to me a consistent, regular weakness in this area. And I knew their heart and I knew their intentions and I knew, I knew they had revealed that too many times. And finally, the next time we, they talked to me and brought it right down. Now, was that a sin or not?
And I took the risk. And I said, no. I said, the devil is condemning you and not God. I said, the devil is not doing this. Or the devil is doing this to you. You're going to have to trust God. Faith is your answer. When, when you catch yourself in a lie, correct it. And start speaking the truth in love, the Bible says. Amen. Brother Morford, you have anything else? Let's have a good season of prayer. Amen. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess it's the evangelist in me. It always, always leaks out. There just might be, though, however, before we have the final prayer, someone say, I need to pray about it. What you preached about tonight, I need to pray about that. I'm not going to have a strong altar invitation, but if there's someone that's so burdened about it, you feel like you'd like to come and pray, the altar's open because we want to, we want to see you have victory. But mainly, I felt the burden of the message to be something that you can apply on your ongoing in your fishing walk. I have my wife to dismiss us in prayer, please. <clears throat>